I don't think my sisters would appreciate thinking they were my legacy. No, I don't. We're in the same generation. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Hug and a High Five. It's a mom and daughter podcast journal. I'm Ingrid, I'm the daughter. And I'm Vicky, I'm the mom. I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm trying to figure out how to parent an adult and live as an adult who is more than a parent. I live in New York City. And I live in Los Angeles. And this is Hug and a High Five. Hello, Mama. Hello, Ingrid. I hope you hear Winston in that. That's adorable. Mom, you remember we used to do Winston things like every week? And yes. then I totally forgot about it. And I have to say that well, we- I went back and listened to the first episodes with Winston's Corner, and I was really sad because I made him sound so grumpy, and I don't feel like he has a sad life. Oh. So. He's a happy dog. Yeah, let this be on the record a year later that um, I really do think Winston is lovely, and I don't think he's very grumpy. And not old men are grumpy. Okay. Not all old men are grumpy, even though he looks like an old man. He's a pretty cheery dog. Yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty fun, and he has a happy life. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, Hello. Uh, Hello, Ingrid. You chose the uh, podcast theme for the day, and I really love it. So do you want to share it with us? Yes. The book by Tim O'Brien is set during the Vietnam War called The Things They Carried is the inspiration for today's podcast of A Hug and a High Five because I just love the title, The Things They Carried. And in that book, the narrator describes all the things the men from his company in Vietnam carry. There are things that are the most physical, uh, tangible things like mosquito repellent and marijuana and pocket knives and chewing gum. The things they carry depends on several factors, including the men's priorities and their constitutions. So today, Ingrid and I are reflecting on what we carry into our adult years and what we hope is carried on as our legacy. I think that's such a great uh, theme and title for many reasons, uh, because it's something that I think is good for us all to like stop and think about. What do we want to put into the world and can we live intentionally based on our history because we know that we live that way no matter if we think about it or not we're all shaped by something that's right but we do both love the book the things they carried yeah tell me about how you first came across it i first came across the things they carried by tim o'brien in high school it was a assigned reading and Mm. i'm one of the rare students in the world who loves assigned reading and usually loves those books. <laughs> I am an academic to my core and I love that. And there was only one year when I did AP and any AP course, actually, I only did one AP course in, in high school because I wanted to do other things and not homework particularly. <laughs> but I loved the year that I was in AP because our teacher was so inspiring and she kept the bar high. Her name is Marilee Malott. Mm-hmm. Um, she kept the bar, bar high without being like, you know, while still being in, inspirational. So I read it and I just read it and we talked about all of the symbolism and truthfully I couldn't really go back and tell you the depth of the storyline of the things they carried but it really gave me a deep appreciation for the Vietnam War and the the intricacies and the um the vagaries of that war like there's there's nothing so nothing less black and white it feels than the way that people feel about the Vietnam War Mm -hmm. and secondarily then 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just thinking that I heard an English teacher once say the best way to kill the value of a book is to assign it as high school reading. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I think they were talking about true. To Kill a Mockingbird, which um, has endured oh. past uh, high school reading because it's such a good book. But they did say that that made a dent in the quality of the book. I have to tell you, almost all of the people that I talk about To Kill a Mockingbird with respond, oh, I should read that again. I don't think I liked it, but I should read it now. <laughs> and it's true. You Which should. Which is so true. Everybody should read To Kill a Mockingbird in their later years in life at least once, if not twice. And not to, not to diminish the book, because also this does this also. But in this case, there's a pretty well done movie of it, too. If they wanted to start there, they could. And Gregory Peck would probably be, like, inspirational enough to go read the book. He does a good job playing Atticus Finch. Yes, that's yeah. true. So my uh, experience with the things they carried uh, are initially from you. And then I mentioned it to a friend of ours who is a teacher of uh, English as a second language in a community college. And she thought... It was an excellent book. She loved talking about the Vietnam War era to her English students. She likes to teach English as a second language through um, kind of contemporary culture. And mm. she, uh, I'm not sure that she has her students read it because it would be a little difficult for them, but she talks about it and refers to it. That's interesting. Yeah, it, I mean, it was difficult for me just because it's not a linear narrative. I suggest every listener go go read this book at some point, but know that it's not linear. It's it is very um oh dear. Flashback. Words. It hit flashbacks. It jumps well, around. It flashes back, but it it's metaphoric. That's what I meant. It's it's metaphoric. There's a lot of things that aren't particularly realistic, but Tim O'Brien uh, he's writing about his own experiences in war. Mm. Um and he says they aren't like factually realistic, but they are realistic to my experience or to the you know the extreme. Like there's a there's a very famous scene in the book where a woman comes to camp, mm. comes to Vietnam, and like visits them in the war, and she's just a girlfriend of one of the soldiers. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, I know that wouldn't really happen. There'd be so many political hoops and like to jump through, you know, safety, all the things, mm-hmm. but. All of the, like, symbolism of her being there in the story and the way that she changes based on um, her circumstance makes a huge difference in the way that the reader then gets to understand the experience of being in Vietnam during the war. Wow. Anyway, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, I I got back into this book in college. I didn't actually read it again, but I used it a lot because it became like my go-to lesson plan when I was an education major. Um, I ended up pairing it all the time to compare and contrast like mediums of storytelling because I paired it with the musical Dogfight Ah. by Pasek and Paul, who have now become famous for Dear Evan Hansen and the music in Greatest Showman, like all these incredible things. Okay. They, They were the... They also wrote Dogfight, which is an off-Broadway musical with Lindsay Mendez and Derek Klenna and Ashley Annalee, Annalee Ashford, sorry. Um, anywho. You're, you're nerding out on Broadway right now. 
Yeah, yeah. There's, <laughs> I, but I'm guaranteed there's one other Broadway person here that's like, yes, I love that. Anyway, <laughs> you should listen to that too. It's great. It's also set in the Vietnam War. Um, and so those two paired together, a real life person's experience in a symbolized book and this story of um, guys going off to the Vietnam War in music form with lots of great harmonies. That sounds great... good. I think I would yeah. like to see Dogfight. It's off There's Broadway. There's a lot of depth to it. Are there, there's not very many. Uh, there, someday there will be a rendition that comes to L.A. Or maybe I will see one in New York. Is it playing in New York anymore? No, no. It was years ago. It was like eight, eight, nine years ago. I remember um, hearing about it. You can listen to the soundtrack. Yes, yes. I will do that. Anyway. So this, yeah, this is not about the Vietnam War. <laughs> but the title is uh, inspiring. The poetic title is what's carrying us forward. So the things that I <laughs> carried, there are some things that I carried, and it was actually kind of fun to think about. Like, what did I carry from my life as a child into my um, older years that I, I carried on to you? Now, I have some legacy. Um, you don't mm-hmm. have as much legacy yet, but although you could probably say your sisters are your legacy or have... I don't, mm. know. I don't know how the word legacy works, really. But anyway. Yeah, I think you decide how it works. I don't think my sisters would appreciate thinking that they were my legacy. No, I don't We're either. in the same generation. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a legacy. You're my legacy, and hopefully other people are too. Anyway, yeah. but for my, my parents' legacy, particularly in this instance, I was thinking about my mom because of the mother-daughter mm. connection. Yes. So something that I carried forward is reading stories aloud. I love reading stories aloud, and one of my happy memories that was a daily memory when I was little, and I don't remember when it stopped, although I remember different houses I lived in, so I'm guessing it it stopped maybe third grade, maybe when I started reading more, it stopped, maybe fourth Mm. grade, but um, my mom would read me stories at bedtime. She would read to me a chapter of a book, and I specifically remember Heidi, I remember Little Women, I remember lots of Nancy Drew books, so um, those were all um, happy memories of, that is a legacy I definitely carried forward to you. That is such a good memory. Oh, I didn't know that that was, I don't think I've really heard a lot of stories of you and Grandma particularly well it's funny because um i yeah i i have a long time since i had memories right right are are a distant (laughs) past and so but that is when i think of memories of my mom and things i carried forward that is definitely the first thing that comes to mind reading aloud at bedtime my mom would sit next to me on my bed you know i was the only girl i didn't have two sisters i had two brothers so they were in a different room and uh, she would read Little Women or Nancy Drew or Heidi. Those are the ones that stand out the most to me. Yeah. Oh, I I mean, we read a lot together as a, as a kid, too. But it was three of us because the three of us were in the bedroom, all, all the girls. And mm-hmm. I've always loved reading out loud. I think it's interesting that I read, that I love to read out loud because someone that's dyslexic probably wouldn't. <laughs> But I do. I really love it. And there was a time, to- I don't know, at one point I was reading out loud with like friends around and some, and some friend just looked at me and said, 
you're really enjoying this right now. And I thought, <laughs> you're right, I really am. I really am. I just, I really love it. I do think it's a good way to like, connect with people and you're creating a story that you're both envisioning at the same time. And you can talk about the different pictures that you have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then you have a really... I also feel so... Oh, I hate it when people are like, I don't want to read this out loud. Let's just each read it silently and then look up when we're done. I'm not reading then. I'm just <laughs> thinking about how much slower I'm going to read it and how, how much I'm not going to comprehend. And then everyone else has looked up and I still haven't read a single word. That is super anxiety provoking. Huh? Okay, so reading read it out, out loud is a legacy that we'll both carry forward. <laughs> yes, yes. So Ma- mom and I have a, a like a note on our phones that we type through when we each have an idea about the podcast. And so you created this one. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, when I first read the prompt, the things that came to mind were not very positive. <laughs> I don't know. I immediately was like, well, I'm going to bring a lot of trauma into my adult life. Because, I don't know, I guess maybe because that's, I'm way closer to it than you are. You've just had, like, a lot more life to work through things. Um, yeah, hopefully I, I, I've either worked through my trauma, I'm in denial of my trauma, or it's, it's such a distant <laughs> past, I can't remember it. Right, which, the first and the last are fine. <laughs> I, don't th- I don't think there's been, there's been a lot of, you've, you're pretty good at working through things. Yeah. Um, I, I just found, I think I was talking to, my friend Brooklyn yesterday quite a bit and we were like telling stories about our past and they ended up being like not very happy stories it was a lot of like oh my gosh that person really manipulated me or whatever but we weren't it wasn't a heavy conversation we were laughing about it and laughing at the way we'd go from like a really really light topic to a really really deep thing and be like why are we just laughing about this but that's the way the world works I guess and I I do think that, although it's not, like, I have traumas in my life, as we all do, we, I'm glad that part of my legacy will be just, like, having had the history of it and knowing going forward more about myself. Yeah. Yeah, a legacy that I hope that you carry forward um, would be the growth mindset of, the resolution of, um, for my restorative strength of, of having, um, learned something and made a decision to do something different next time. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I learned, we were talking about Enneagrams, which, Mm -hmm. uh, is a whole nother podcast. At some point we'll do that. We'll just go through each of the personality tests one by one because if there's a, (laughs) If there's a thing that mom and I just like geek out on as like things we can connect on as mom and daughter, it's personality tests. Yes. Yeah. I think we can talk for hours about those. The Enneagram, we won't go all into. We've already done the Strengths Finder, but short version, it sort of describes different personalities in like nine different numbers. Um, and we were talking about how I, how we we each receive love and feel heard um and which people we have the hardest time with and I found Brooklyn asked me like well who do which personality do you have the hardest time with and I was like well there's two people that I feel like I have the most like trauma I don't know with Mm -hmm. um or have just like had a hard time with through life one was an eight and one was a two but the two 
was a really unhealthy two at the time, and twos in stress go to eight. Eights love justice and activism, which is not, I mean, those are things that I love too, but they know what they want, and they will stand on that forever. They're not mm-hmm. going to back down from their opinion. And they um, are happy to verbally process it. Um, yeah, and they're, twos... They're gut, they're um, gut-centered. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and twos, which is one person was a two in stress as an eight, you know, so it's like a little of both, but twos verbally process especially. And they're like, please connect with me and work through it together. And I, as a five, like, I need at least a day to... <laughs> think through Mm -hmm. anything before I know how I feel and into words and to have an opinion. And it's so stressful, but to, to be asked that sooner, asked for that sooner. So I end up being really easy to manipulate when I want to please someone before Mm. I actually have anything to give. Uh, and I won't go into those stories because I want to, uh, respect the, those two individuals, but, um, if you ask me about like the trauma that has shaped me, a lot of it has come from those kinds of situations. And I just realized like being in a place now to be able to say, Oh, when you ask me for my opinion, let me like, I'll come back to you tomorrow. No, like legitimately, I don't have an opinion yet. And being okay saying that, which yeah. then like, uh, protects me from conversations too early or having to try to stand on something and, wax poetic on opinion I don't really care about yet and I don't become well, manipulated it's so, so healthy to think about it and to say you know what I will have an opinion on that and I will come back to you when yeah, I'm informed right. right. I won't be pressured into giving you an opinion now that's something I had to learn uh in life and yeah um that's 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 hard so I'm, I'm glad you're learning that even even if it's trauma and heartbreak that you're carrying right. forward I guess everybody yeah. probably has that. Uh, self, self-awareness and self-discovery is something that is especially healthy to go through in your 20s. Yeah. And um, I will definitely also go to counseling to work through that. Because <laughs> I do need to work through it. I do. And I so will. On, I'm actually, I really am in the process of doing that right now. On, on, conversely, on a lighter note, thinking back to my memories of things that I carried forward from my childhood was the love of visiting museums and especially not just art museums because I liked that to a degree when I was a child I I would say I've grown to like that a lot more as an adult but I loved the living history museums yeah I um grew up in Minnesota so Mm -hmm. the um uh, Fort Snelling was a place that I loved to go, which was a living history museum. Yeah. Uh, where people, you know, there was a blacksmith. And I loved, that was really fun for me. And I loved, oh, going to the Betty Crocker Museum. And we would go there in in the summer. My mom would take us on these trips. And it was kind of once a year thing that we would do. And when I was little, I thought that Betty Crocker just got a new hairdo and a new outfit each year and I didn't really realize it was a not the same person um over like 70 years and she kept oh looking gosh. young but it was weird but she her hairdo changed and I used to look at the picture and say oh I like that hairdo and I like that pair you know it was just like the yeah. era the, that particular decade that it was from I um, am just like as you're telling this remembering 
that Betty Crocker is not a real person. <laughs> well, I know, and I thought it was a real person too, and I think I was very yeah. sorely Sorry, everyone. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> when my mom was like, "Oh, well, that's not a real person." That's I all. remember. What? I this I don't we didn't I've even been to Minnesota, but we didn't go to. I don't think we went to the Betty Crocker Museum. No, no, it's a a factory. I went, there was somewhere I went with with like Martha, not Martha Stewart, nope, Uh, Julia Child's, like like a remake of Julia Child's like kitchen, home kitchen. Oh, that's the Smithsonian American History Museum in Washington, D.C. Yes, small little museum there. The Smithsonian. Okay. But with the Betty Crocker's like a, it's just a factory? It's yeah, not a real it's museum? just a factory. No. No, you could go on the factory tour and kind of see where they... It was a oh, total Mr. Rogers visit. It was You could see where they, um, oh, you know, boxed, boxed the cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the cake But you mix. used to go there with your mom every year. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. So that's something I carry forward. And I, I you know, hopefully you have memories of going to museums and living yeah. history places when we had a chance to. I, I mean, I, I'm learning more and more just to like how egocentric children are. There's like, <laughs> they are always thinking about themselves and they're asking their mom and dad for everything, obviously. Um, because I, I'm like, it's always continuing to dawn on me how much of a theater person you are. Mm. I don't know how I didn't like think about that as a kid, like your mom and you, I guess, cause you weren't like doing theater actively. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of theater people love living history or, like, interactive history because it's storytelling and it's interactive things. And Mm -hmm. you love those things. And I love those things. I used to... There was a time when I really thought that I was just going to work at Williamsburg and have the weird (laughs) accent and, like, do the full thing. I loved... I don't... I love those things. They're so fun. Well, one of... A favorite memory that we have that we retell is that you dressed up kind of in your little prairie bonnet and your long skirt and your plaid shirt. Not like huge, completely authentic Laura Ingalls Wilder, but we went to the little house in the big woods when we went on our Laura Ingalls Wilder, Wilder tour. This is a like moment of pride for me. And and the, a little girl came up to you. You were what? I don't know, 16? No, Something I don't like think that. I was in 15. Was I in high school? I don't think I was in high school yet. Maybe you were only 14. But you were dressed up, and a little girl came up to you and talked to you as if you were Laura Ingalls Wilder, and you slipped right into it. It was my favorite moment. Laura Ingalls Wilder has shaped more of my childhood than perhaps I should admit. (laughs) It is deep within me. And I actually was talking to Brooklyn about this too today, because we were talking about the fact that, like, it's just also dawning on me that... Like, as a kid, we read these books over and over and over again. And you're like, Dad, read the book again. Or Mom, read, you know. And I will ask you guys questions. Be like, who is that? What's the name of that worm in Busy Town? Like, what is that? Like, random facts about these stories. And you know them. You know all the facts about these little kid <laughs> books. Because you were fully adult brains basically studying these children's books every night. Yeah, and my developing brain them. like doesn't remember all those things, but you know them so. You mean lowly worm? Well, <laughs> so well. Yeah. But I do know Lauren goes wild well, and I loved dressing up that day. And my pride about that story is that one, I had the wherewithal to like 
throw my tourist purse and then become Laura in this moment. (laughs) But then we had just gotten to the house and hadn't gone inside yet. So it's this recreation of her little one room log cabin on this big, on the grounds of like near Lake Pepin. And we hadn't gone inside yet. And so the mom is like, the mom of this little kid is uh, helping her ask questions to whoever they think is, like, to me, you know, who they think is the actor playing Laura. Yeah. And she's like, so which room did, which bed did you sleep in? Is it the one in the corner? Is it, she was, like, asking questions about the layout of the room inside it. I was like, I haven't been in there yet. (laughs) But I kept my cool, and I went back into my brain somewhere and remembered that first chapter book, and I answered all the questions as Laura for this little girl. And we took a picture, (laughs) and then we went inside, and they left. And Dad read through the tourist book later, and I was right on every account. (laughs) Woohoo! The true living history actor that that you are. (laughs) As an actor and a historian... That is something you'll carry forward, definitely. <laughs> the things just, they carry. The living history. Just the pride. <laughs> the living history. It's actually true that a lot of the things I wanted to write on my list of the things that I'll carry into adulthood, um, I wanted to keep starting with the word like that I have pride in. And then I stopped because I felt like that was weird to say over and over. Mm. But I, I have a lot of pride in my parents and the way you raised me. Well, and thank I, you. I, like, brag about you to my friends, about the accomplishments that you have and the ways that you have been intentional in my life. And um, I'm really proud of you as my parents. So that... And, and I, this like, is that not is something just I, being said for our podcast, but it's picking no, a it, smile on my it, face. It, <laughs> I promise it isn't, it isn't just being said for that. Because that was, like, the first thing that I wrote after Heartbreak. I'll take into adulthood. That was the second thing in my mind. Um, Because you have uh, raised me well. And I think part of that is that just your own, like, intentionality. And I think that I will take into adulthood. Um, And I'm practicing it already. Just, like, being intentional in my life with people. Mm -hmm. To do things that show that I'm intentional. You wrote note cards on yours. And that's something that I love, too. Just, like, a handwritten thank you card. Mm-hmm. tangible actions to show love and appreciation. Mm-hmm. I don't want that to be a lost art. Yeah. I, um, that, that makes my heart happy because if there's one thing that I have tried to be in my 23 years of parenting you, mm-hmm. um, it's intentional and, uh, deliberate and very thoughtful about, I've read so many different parenting books and yeah. sought so much information and, tried to do things intentionally so uh deliberatively so and even makes... when there are things that you i don't there's not like a getting wrong particularly but even in places where it feels like oh that was a mistake for this daughter in our right. in our lives you know yeah i can ne- i can never say you weren't trying your best at it you know yeah and yeah. i i certainly have said like in anger to other people like i feel so hurt i feel so angry but I know they meant well, you know? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I, I want to well, be like that in my life, too. Yeah, and to 
kind of a more concrete degree, I would say, um, be, probably because I don't know my mom's motives as well, mm. maybe as you know mine, just because you're a little closer to them. But um, that note card writing is something that I wrote on my list, and, and I I wrote my oh. list without seeing your list. And, right. Um, one thing that I hope to carry forward to you and I don't even do it as well as my mom did it but my mom was definitely a note card writer a letter writer she Um, still is yeah yeah and it's a beautiful thing and one of my favorite memories um it's it's a funny memory but uh, when I was in college I took I studied abroad for a fall oh yeah and I went to 18 countries in a semester 45 45 cities but we were with a class, so there was, mm-hmm. I don't know, 20 of us on the tour, and we had four or five professors, and then we just toured around. But back in the olden days, when people used to mail letters before right. they had technology computers in their hands, my mom had our itinerary, and she had the address of each place that we would go, and mm. she would write ahead. Now, we changed cities. We were gone for 15 weeks, and we went to... 45 cities so we changed cities several times a week and my mom had sent me a letter yeah. in almost every single city and then I only talked to them on the phone maybe a handful of times yeah. not very often but my mom asked me one time who in your group is not getting any mail because I think I commented I was like mom before we get here, I already have a letter in the mail. As soon as I get to this new place, I have a letter. It's so great. And yeah. I said, but some of my friends are kind of getting upset because they get no mail. And so yeah. my mom said, who's not getting any mail? I'll send them letters. Uh, so there was... She's there was writing like to like 20 three, people. Well, there was two or three boys on our trip. My Aww. mom had never met them, never seen them. They were from different places of the country because we came together from all over the country and they would get mail from my mom and she would tell them <laughs> stories just of everyday things like we're repainting the bedroom and and, yeah. and so my friend I can't even remember his name anymore he was like did you know that your mom's repainting the bedroom and I was like what my mom is telling you news that you didn't tell me what that's that's wrong <laughs> that's and, a really beautiful story though it is so beautiful, and it just kind of goes to show my mom was very intentional. She was other-centered, yeah. looking out for the people, like, wanting to be very true. Nurturing. So I can't say that I've been so good at, you know, writing to your friends, but hopefully I've carried a little bit you of that do, forward. I, no, you actually, you've brought, when you send me care packages, or when you come, you, you bring gifts for all the roommates. I do try to do that. You yes. do. And I get yeah. that from my mom. I carry that forward. Yes. <laughs> the thing that I will always carry from all sides of my family is, is music. Yes. It's kind of, I almost didn't write it on the list because I felt like it so goes without saying. But then I remembered that like not everyone's life is centric to music. Right. I, like revolves around music. I never, there's never a time I don't have a, a song in my head. Mm-hmm. I was at a place with the piano this morning, and I sat down and played and sang. And, you know, like, I, my my favorite memories, in the way that yours are going on excursions, my favorite memories are sitting around with music, mm-hmm. with Sing-alongs. whatever types of family. Yeah. 
And that, that was something I wrote on my list. And I was looking, I was walking around my house to say, what did I carry forward from my mom? Or, oh. for, and then I, th- I saw some things that were carried forward from my grandparents, and particularly my mom's mom. She was a theater major at Northwestern. I was going to say, an, a beginning of the theater in our family. Yeah. Because it comes a long way. I come <laughs> by it, honestly. Yeah. So um, the, the, the love of performance. And then my mom and dad... Yeah went to Indiana University. We saw them get an award this spring and they they talked all about in their speeches, they talked about the values instilled in them from the singing Hoosiers of punctuality Mm -hmm. and performance and perfection. I don't know, they had all these alliterations. (laughs) It was beautiful. It's true though, punctuality and performance are true, the core things that they love. That, even in their speeches, they were were well prepared. Preparation, I'm sure, was one of them. So yeah, right. um, that's definitely something I carried forward, and I think your dad carries forward, too, to you guys. Yeah. Well, Ingrid, it's lovely reminiscing on the things we carry forward. Maybe this will be a recurring be episode that we have, and we'll yeah. talk about other things we carry forward. And we can ask our listeners, what do you just carry about forward to say that. from your I was just about to say ancestry? that. If you have a thing or two <laughs> that you thought about that you carried, please email us. Yeah, for real. Podcast at gmail.com, which you'll hear three times in our outro. (laughs) Or or follow us on Instagram. (laughs) Come DM me. Slide on in there. For real, though. That's right. Hug and High Five Podcast (laughs) on Instagram. And and on Instagram. Both things. That's right. Um, Hug and High Five Podcast. Because it'd be fun to share those stories and hear it. Someone commented to me recently, like, I don't have that kind of relationship with my mom at all. And I thought... I want to hear your story with your mom <laughs> because there's so many different ones That's and right. we're trying to figure Where it out. They? And so is everyone else, but we all figure it out differently. So share it with us. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. But we all have them. That's right. All right, Ingrid. I love you. High five. High five. All right. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to hug and a high five. Yep. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to suggest a topic, ask us a question or share your mom-daughter story, please email us at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. All words, hug and a high five podcast at gmail.com. Have a great week.